Welcome to this episode of the Payment Show podcast. I'm your host, Satmont Full, and today I'll be speaking to Justin Pasalacqua, who is the country director for Worldline in Canada. Worldline is the fourth largest payments company in the world and is used by merchants, banks, and acquirers. If you're new to the show, this podcast aims to help you increase sales and profits in your company through the latest payment technologies and platforms. For more information, please visit digitalmoneylab.com. Enjoy the show. Justin, welcome to The Payment Show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're based out of Canada. You moved there from the States a few years ago. So wanted to discuss the nature of the company, where it's based, where it's going, and, and what's been happening with it recently in terms of mergers and acquisitions. I'll start by giving an overview as to the company. So Worldline is the fourth largest payment provider in the world for merchants, banks, and acquirers. And recently, you were acquired by a company called Bambora. So there'll be a bit of a, a story about that, no doubt, that you can talk about. But really wanted to kick off with an introduction of yourself and just to explain about Worldline, how it became so big, what it's doing currently and where it's heading in the future. So maybe you can give us a bit of an overview of that first at a high level, and then we can maybe drill down in a few more bits with more detail later on. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, so just to clarify a little. So yeah, Worldline, large global company, fourth largest in the world, number one in Europe. Yeah, as you mentioned, had recently acquired Bambora, which was a long-lasting another payments company. And I actually oversee had overseen Bambora North America. And so now I'm the country director for Worldline, which is still are that same platform, payments platform that services Canada and the US, so cross-border. So we've actually, this the the business unit and platform that I oversee has actually been around for 20 years. It was founded in 2000 in little Victoria, British Columbia, where I reside now, but it's been a payment gateway servicing primarily the e-commerce space for over 20 years now and over those 20 years have been acquired several times, and now we're we're lucky to be part of the the Worldline family. And so that's kind of the uh, the progression there. Many people still know us as Bambora, or even our original gateway name was Beanstream. You'll see that pop up now and again too. But for all purposes of, of this conversation, it is it is Worldline. And yeah, so we it's uh, mainly e-commerce for U.S. and Canada. Big footprint in Canada, obviously, and then we also have card present through through some of the acquisitions along along our journey. We do have a card present platform as well, and and all all across different payment types. So we support from credit, debit, EBT, EFT in Canada, ACH in the U.S. Basically, we're we're trying to make make it as easy as possible for any either customer, merchant, or a software company to easily accept payments into their solution set. And that's that's what we've been doing for a long time and we're we we like to think we're pretty good at it. Yeah, definitely. Well we'll drill into those in a moment, some of those solutions. But I did want to make it clear that obviously you've got heavy North American presence, but you operate in over forty countries and you've got around eighteen thousand employees. So it's a very big company. Am I right? You're kind of suggesting that still the bulk of your customers are in North America. What are we talking? Great question. Actually, too, 
when you consider Worldline being the fourth in the world, but first in Europe, that suggests that North America is is not the largest, right? So it's actually very small. So most of the most of our customer base and business is is across is Europe and other parts of the world. So they're actually looking at at us to grow their U.S. and North American footprint. So I think that's the biggest growth area. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that coming up. But yeah, great question. You know, servicing all of those countries, and they've they've been established. Worldline's been established in in Europe for you know decades and decades, where the U.S. is through acquisition is fairly new, but obviously a very attractive market, being the largest market in the world. And so, yeah, we're very excited to have the power of Worldline and their experience to help us really bring some new solution sets and and help service the the North American market. Yeah, fantastic. So let's drill down into some of your offerings. As you mentioned earlier, you provide solutions for pretty much everything, whether it's e-commerce, in-store, online, and across a whole bunch of product types too. Everything from account to account payments, mobile, scan and pay, payment orchestration, the whole works. We'll talk about a few of those in context of helping businesses to increase sales conversion and revenue through making the checkout process smoother and just making the process from the business side easy and and the consumer side. From what I've seen, I've seen some sample checkout of UX and UI on, on your website, and you've got some very slick solutions there that makes it very easy for end customers to pretty much pay however they want. So I wanted to understand on, on how you help businesses do that because obviously you're the one of the largest payment companies in the world for a reason. So it would be great to understand your solutions in that context, but obviously feel free to add other information that you want as well. Yeah. So in specific to the UI UX, which you had asked, which I think is, is, is a very important piece to the checkout and the, fl- and the flow and ease of use. Cause I think that touches on where we, I guess, differentiate and we focus is, is you mentioned ease, right? And I think it's very important because there are payments companies all over the place now. And so where we focus is making it as easy and as flexible as possible and just being transparent to the customer. So let, let's take, for example, a software company that creates software for golf course management, right? So they're focusing on on making that golf course as efficient as possible, whether they're selling beverages to dispensing golf balls, tea times, that's what they're focused on, right? And so the the payments piece of it is is definitely a big piece and it's needed, but that, you know, that business is really focuses on on their their peers, their their customers, their golfers, right? So what we want to do is make it as easy as possible and as seamless as possible for for that golf course to take payments and to continue their operations and to provide a specific need to that space. And so what we think is, is very important is, and part of the UI and UX is being able to deliver a solution set to, to that customer, whether that's the software provider, where we, we provide a, a set of APIs and SDKs to easily allow that software company to embed payments where they can control that UI and UX flow, right? So, so it doesn't disrupt, so it doesn't bring them to a different page, or it doesn't look clunky. So, if you're you're checking out on and you're, you've registered for your tea time for golf, 
and you go to hit pay, it flows nice and easy and there's no disruptions and you're, you're avoiding someone leaving because they're disrupted and they, they can't pay and then they decide to go golf somewhere else, right? So that's what we're trying to just be be that payment provider that makes it as easy and as seamless as possible while allowing a lot of customization too. So that can flow into their software, whether that be, I, I keep using golf, golf for restaurants or, you know, childcare to camp management. There's, there's a lot of different verticals and, and niche, I would say needs where payments are needed and that we, it needs to be flexible. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it seems that payment orchestration is quite key there in terms of what you've been talking about. And it also, you, you seem to be suggesting that a lot of your customers might be the sort of larger or enterprise customers. What's your mix of SMEs versus those medium and super large companies? Yeah, so across the world, it's it's all over, right? And I'll focus mainly on North America because that's, that's, what, that's what I oversee. So in North America specifically, we really focus on on really two go-to-market avenues. Our main one being what in the industry we call ISV. So that's uh, independent software vendors. So that's really your point of sale software. So in the e-commerce space, there's a lot of them, but that's really our, we consider our customer, right? And then they sell their software to enterprise, to to the rest of the, you know, the, the merchants of the world. So for us... We really focus, I meant I mentioned it already on niche vertical markets. And so there's a lot of payments providers and players that focus on restaurant retail. And we do a lot of that as well. We service that, we have the solutions for that. But what we find is there's there's kind of an underserved market on, on some of these niche verticals. I mentioned golf courses just because I like to golf. Golf courses. Uh, I'm not surprised there. Yeah. <laughs> there's... There's child care to camp management, non-for-profit. There's a lot of these niche verticals that that we've been developing specific product sets and support models to to help those verticals and and mainly through the the software companies because there's software providers that create the software to op to operate and services for these verticals. So that's how we go to market, and that could entail large retail restaurant for like order ahead as a good example that's that's you know during the pandemic we saw a huge spike in a lot of order ahead software where people couldn't go inside so there's software where you can order your food ahead or have it delivered and so yeah i think there's that and then our our second our second i guess go to market is also through the banks and the isos in north america so we do a really good job partnering with the banks and the independent sales organizations um, to where we provide our payment software, payment gateway per se, to those banks for them to resell merchant services. So in that fact, I would say through the banks and ISOs, they're usually going after some of those large enterprise customers. So as an indirect model, we do service some of the larger enterprise, you know, restaurant retail that's in North America as well. Okay. So a lot of your business then comes through partnerships where companies, like you, you mentioned software, but in general, sort of IT type shops will develop or integrate your solution into there. So would I be right in saying that a lot of your customers don't have a direct relationship with you then? Is that correct? Yeah, in, in a way it's it's indirect, I would say, as far as acquisition. So when we go to market, it's through, but we still provide 24-7 live support to the end merchant. And it's here here based in Canada. So 
you know, can almost see them here. We have a whole floor of support here. So we do provide level one support to the end merchant. And we also provide tech support here in North America as well. I would say mainly it's it's kind of the the go-to-market is really through the software provider. Now, a lot of the larger software providers and banks will have their own first level support and we're kind of the second level to mainly troubleshoot the payments side of things. But we do we do try to also provide that that human element to our payment solution. Yeah. You touched on a point which I've seen becoming more and more common. The point being the lack of phone support from companies like Square, Stripe or PayPal. I mean my experiences with Stripe and Square have been fine on a very limited basis for a couple of business ideas I've tried. But nonetheless, I'm seeing more and more stories of people having their accounts shut down, etc. And they're saying they're struggling to speak to somebody. So it seems like your organization is the opposite. You've got some strong support there. Wondered if you could comment around if you're seeing that more generally, that, that customers are trying to search for, you know, Stripe and Square and solutions like that are fantastic, but only a little thing could get you struck off. So first question is, are you seeing that more and, and are you seeing more people come your way as a result of that? And if so, how are you addressing that? So yes, we are seeing that. And and I think, so I've been with the this business for six years now. And I think when I first came into what I really appreciated was the culture aspect. And, and, and actually I moved from the States to Canada just almost because of that, because of the people here. And so what I what I tr- really try to drive home, and I, I say that I coined phrase this, but you know it's not patent, but uh, humanizing payments. I think we do a really good job at humanizing payments here, and I think that you're right. I think a lot of end users as well as software providers are looking for that human element because it's starting to dissipate in our space, not just our space, but in general, right? I mean, I don't know how many times throughout the week you're on hold with somebody for hours, or you're digging through websites. Yeah, see, they are. And we try not to be. So we really try to add that human element to it by humanizing payments, not just your customer support. I think most people just go to it thinking, well, it's when I have a problem, I call in and I want to talk to a human. We do have that and that's all great. Where I think we are even better is that we, we provide the human element up front. So you mentioned Stripe and Square again, amazing companies. They're you know really easy to integrate. They have a lot of great good things going for them. But myself, having gone through the trying to integrate to Stripe, it's hard to find someone to talk to. So if you're a software software provider and you're you're you download a bunch of APIs and you're doing an integration, and you run into a problem, you need to talk to someone. Good luck, right? And so what we try to do is add that human element right up front. And so we have dedicated integration specialists that will walk through our software providers or banks to integrate to our platform. So they'll have a dedicated person that they can call whenever, email, you know, have a direct connection to to walk through that integration. We also do the same even from the the sales perspective. Where we try to be very transparent. There's no hidden fees. There's no there's no gotchas, you know. That you, we want, we want you to trust our sales teams. They're they're more of a consultant, so you can you can talk to them even after you've signed up. If you want to call your, your old pal Richard up and see how things are going, we we try, we encourage that from the moment of sales through the integration, and then backed by that customer support, we really drive home that we have that 
humanizing payments element. Yeah, so I'm glad you asked that question. That's, no, that's great to hear. Just to continue that on maybe one more point, sub point on that topic. What's causing businesses that have been on those platforms for maybe several years? What what What's shifted to cause more and more people to be banned and then they just say, sorry, we can't tell you why. What's the driver of that? Because something's obviously changed. And and yeah. therefore, and then how how does your solution address it? No, that's a good point. It's hard to say. It's probably situational, I would say. It's probably per different company. I also think that, you know, it's economically tough for everyone, right? Across the globe. Now we're into a recession, but with the pandemic, I it, even just the large payment companies had a lot of recession as well. And there's there's been a lot of companies that, you know, unfortunately had to lay people off and they had to look at, at ways to keep their, even their large company to keep afloat. And, you know, they had, they would have to choose, are we going to take a blow on customer support and, and, and cut that back and maybe either outsource or just dial it into where it's just chatbots or, you know, whatever. And I think it's a tough decision to make as a business owner. I think us in particular, we, you know, knock on wood, maybe, maybe it's luck, maybe it's a little foresight, but we didn't have to do that. We didn't have to have the big layoffs. Um, we were able to keep, keep our core and, and we kept true to who we are. We, we tried to just keep that customer support and, and keep that human element. Now, I think also maybe it's just the space we're into specific to North America. We're very heavy on e-commerce. It's probably 90% of our business during the pandemic. We we're almost lucky in the fact because all you know card present took a huge hit because you couldn't go in. You know, you people weren't buying terminals anymore. They weren't going in and and using their cards. And e-commerce went through the roof. And then we just happened to have all of these vertical markets that kept across the board from order ahead to you know it's called field services. So all if you have a landscaper come to your house or like electrician. All that turned card not present as well. So we we were very lucky to service across the board in different vertical markets, which you know in the end during these times really helped us out in the fact that we could stay afloat, not make some of those, not have to make some of those hard decisions. Yeah, you're doing a great job here of lining up my next question. So <laughs> friction, you mentioned that a lot more card not present transactions, but now that the world is or has opened up. You know, just on my visits to America over the years, you know, those terminals, signature swiped sort of terminals have been there for a long time. You know, how's the shift towards Apple Pay, Google Pay, and Samsung Pay, if that's still around? How's that, how's that going? Have you seen that retailers and gas stations are finally changing everything over to these new terminals or not really? Yeah, they are. And it's funny you mentioned that too, because me coming from the US moving to Canada even just you know just north of the border Canada is pretty far ahead as far as new payment adoption so when i got to Canada it's all pay at the table contactless everywhere contactless payments and the US is still catching up to that right and i know a lot of colleagues across the globe kind of it, it's a little bit of you know kind of a joke in the payment space that you know the largest market in the world is still behind in some of those, but I think, I think it's finally catching up. So you'll see, you know, at, for example, just even going to a, a petrol gas station and filling up now that's all contactless, 
and so you're not even you know not even in the dipping it in the states that's coming around now so okay. canada it's everywhere in the states it's they're all you mentioned wallets apple pay google pay that's very prevalent especially us being e-commerce heavy i think the e-commerce world as far as using you know apple checkout and google checkout and some of these online wallets are are now very prevalent in the US and especially I think again back to the software providers are really driving that because they're the technology they're they're ahead of the game in technology right whether payments is trying to catch up to them they're the ones saying hey I just created this really cool shopping cart and e-commerce experience you guys need to get apple pay and get get with it so my customers can feel the technology and so I think that's a part of the driver yeah good good question I've seen so many stories over the years of somebody going to fill up their car and their card gets skimmed or cloned and then <laughs> everything falls apart over the next few days for them. Hopefully we'll see less of those stories now. Yeah. Uh, well, I still see going back to the States. Now I'm used to, you know, at a restaurant in Canada, you never give your card away. That never happens, right? It's all pay at the table, tap. But in the States, it's still, it's still there. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not used to it anymore. So I go sit down and they take my card away. I'm like, oh, where, where are you going with that? So I think, <laughs> I think it's catching up. But now you're starting to see some of the, the restaurants and retail where it is pay at the table and it is more contactless. So it, it's catching up. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Finally, <laughs> making a dent in all of that fraud is is positive, especially mm-hmm. as fraud's still increasing crazily enough every year. Yeah. Is there anything in particular you wanted to discuss that I maybe might have missed that you really wanted to get across? I think what I would I still want to try maybe to to drive home I guess is the uh, and I keep I keep mentioning ISV and the software providers it, it, it's my passion but it's also I would say I, I, I've been doing this for about sixteen years now specific with the ISV network but now we're starting to see it you know all the payments providers they they kind of understand software providers and go to market through that but where i think again is those very niche vertical markets that i still feel are underserved where payments providers can come up with you know whether it's humanizing payments or flexibility ease of integration coming up with very specific payment I guess solution sets, whether that's recurring billing, card updater, there's there's very specific solutions that us as payment providers can put together a, a nice package to deliver for these software providers that are specific and verticals. And I think that's very important. And I think as you know, just live and breathing the ISV world, I, I every day there's there's so many more software companies that are creating really cool solutions for very specific needs. And I think, you know, most of them need payments or they, or maybe they don't quite think that they, they want to take payments because it's a little scary. And so it's good for a company like Worldline to come in and say, Hey, it's not that scary. We can be your consultant. We can add some more revenue for you as well. There's a new line of revenue, but we can also just make it super easy for you. So you can focus on, back to creating, you know, golf course management software. So I think that's, that's the main point I'd like to drive is to figure out to not think always about the huge markets and restaurant and retail, but maybe maybe let's let's think about all the different use cases, whether it's parking, car wash, whatever. Figure out how us as payment providers can service those markets as well. 
You just mentioned two of the payment experiences I hate the most. Paying for parking yeah. and car washes. Car wash. You get those token things and they are two of the worst, especially car parking. I mean, here in England, you've got the SMS thing where you download an app, you can pay that way or there's a whole myriad of different systems, but the interfaces are awful typically, no matter who, yeah. whether they're on an app or they're on these new pay machines, they're all terrible. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so much that can be done. Yeah. I think every, every organization is a fintech, even if you're selling hot dogs, you know, if you've got a square terminal to sell hot dogs, you're a fintech in some ways. Exactly. Can I, can I steal that from you? I'm going to use your hot dog analogy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, honestly, if, if you've got a square terminal or something like that, you are a fintech. I mean, you could do order ahead on that too, right? I mean, I've seen square off of that. So yeah. Yeah, you've either got to get with the program or you're going to get eaten alive. Totally. Yeah, I keep, I agree keep reading that. articles about all these baby boomers that are selling their businesses now, you know, hundreds of thousands of these businesses. Yeah. And there's been a big trend. I mean, I read a lot of business and entrepreneurial books. And in the last couple of years, especially, there's been a big increase in the number of books that are educating people on not starting their own businesses, but just buying them, just buying mm. boomer run businesses because they're already turning over money. Just take it over and modernize it. And, yeah. you know, I'm a big believer. I mean, I've worked in the IT industry my whole career. I've seen so many, so many thousands of customers and scenarios. And honestly, I think that 80% of businesses, if they just implemented modern payment systems, they could easily increase their sales by 50 to 100%. As anecdotal, I've got no stats to back that up, but <laughs> yeah. just by seeing it, the way that people process invoices and things like that is so antiquated. I'm sure, I'm sure if they could offer a self-service and, and payments all in one to a lot of these customers, they could just sell so much more by doing not very much else. I totally agree. And that's, that's kind of what we do, right? So we find, so like our sales team, what they really do is they go out and look for these software companies. That's their job. Hard to do sometimes, but they go out and they'll find a startup with two employees that have created some cool order ahead restaurant management tool, right? And they're solving a, uh, a problem, right? And they go and talk to them. And as a payments consultant, they say, okay, hey, this is cool, but have you have you thought about monetizing this thing? Like you can make a lot of money here. Here's, here's some ideas and here's how our payment stack can help you. And with this reoccurring revenue that we're going to give you and, and show you how to do it, you can fund this and you can get into reoccurring billing and you, and that's kind of what we do. And it's, it's fun, you know, it's fun to watch that. And then sometimes you, we partner with these companies and five years later, as you mentioned, they're selling for a billion dollars and we're like, Whoa, you know, that's pretty cool. I, I was just talking to, you know, Joe who, who was living in his parents' basement creating code two years ago. And now the guy's on a yacht. That's, that's pretty fun. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I mean, there's so much value to unlock. I mean, I often have this conversation with people and this wasn't my conversation starter. I got it from somewhere else, but it really made me think. I read this article once that said, if you closed your eyes and you took Amazon out of the world, if, if you then open your eyes and just look out the window, see what innovation is there. And there actually isn't that much. <laughs> I mean, everything else is pretty much the same. I mean, they are an astonishingly successful company and they've innovated amazingly. But if you took, if you stripped them out, would you say that 
everything else is that much better than it was 10, 15 years ago? I don't know. I might, I might argue with you there. I, I, I think I'd have to say yes. And I'd even go back to your example about parking. <laughs> Whether you say the UI is maybe it could be better, but 10 years ago, parking was really bad. I mean, you'd carry around like change in your car to like put quarters in, you know, and you'd like, or even that, right? And try to find spots, the technology advancement, even just parking alone to where you could, there's like, I don't know, different cities, but you could go on your app and you could find a parking spot or vice versa. If you're on the other side of things and you're the city, now you can track everybody parking. You 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 can hire you can hire less people walking the streets to give tickets because you know when their meter's up. So you can monetize your city payments a lot easier. It's you know just by you could sit there at your desk being the traffic warden and oh <laughs> yeah that one that one go over there and give them a ticket and it's all online. So I would say <laughs> to be the devil's advocate here, I I think maybe in retail you're right, but in a lot of the other elements of space you know even car wash we'll go back to that there's a technology now the car wash i go to they issue you this little rfid sticker you can't even see it on your windshield you put it on there and it's a recurring monthly software as a service you pay whatever 20 dollars a month for whatever package you want you drive up to the car wash and it's got a little reader and it knows your car opens up it knows the car wash you want you drive through you've never taken your credit card out it's just it's hitting your your recurring billing with a tokenization that's pretty cool yeah to me that's like that's some technology advancement so that's that's good i i've not heard of that one before yeah. maybe maybe well like i said i don't drive so <laughs> i miss out a lot on a lot of this stuff because i just yeah. don't like driving but that's quite cool yeah excellent yeah. that's good to hear can you share anything that's coming up in the next sort of six to 12 months in your company, any innovations and new stuff that you're going to release that you perhaps can talk about and uh, maybe tease some things that you can't talk about? Yeah, sure. I think, yeah, there is a lot of innovation coming out this year in particular. Maybe it's not, you know, brand new technology at this point, but buy now, pay later. Is, is still very prevalent. And I'll, I'll go back to my niche vertical example. I think buy now, pay later, traditionally, everybody just thinks of it as retail or, or specialty goods, I, I would say. But what we're seeing, the demand is, is, is in these vertical markets. For example, one of our large partners does camp management software. So if you want to send your kid to soccer camp or you would say football camp, you send them to, to camp, it could cost three grand now, right? I mean, it's it's expensive. In the past, you would just have to pay that. You'd have to figure out how to do it or maybe convince the camp to do installments. Now, if you add buy now, pay later to that checkout through that nice UI, UI, UX that we talked about, it just provides another way to go, oh, actually, I can just pay later. Sweet. So we're starting to see that. So that's an innovation that we're rolling out We've already partnered with a company to roll that out this year, but I think it's, what's going to be cool about that is to roll it out into use cases that people aren't really used to for buy now, pay later. So, uh, net, so new, net new sort of segments. Exactly. Yeah. For different ways to use that really. So I'm excited about that. There's business to business e-commerce is uh, it's kind of always been around. I feel like that term has been kicked around quite a bit. <laughs> But I think modernizing that B2B payments and, and really 
kind of going to market with it. And now that we're seeing, for example, like a lot of uh, wholesale to retail is is huge now where we're seeing, you know, the, the invoicing is really starting to go away now. A lot of these like big ERP or enterprise, enterprise resource management tools, they're all going to, to online credit online. So ordering your, your lumber or your, your supplies, all that's turning business to business. And so we won't really want to be on the front of that, that wave as kind of the older technology dies off and we're starting to see that. So I think that's pretty exciting and new and innovative. Um, there's some things that are in the works as far as, you know, back to the card present world, because because of our large footprint across the world, we have a actually an innovation station in Paris where it's a, a whole lab that they're creating some cool things. Uh, they've already released EV EV charge stations. I know there's some cool things where they're working on like um, facial recognition checkout to using some of the card present technology where you can do bio scanning. So I know they're working on where you just, you walk into a store, grab what you want. And then instead of using your card or even taking your phone out or anything, you just put your hand to a reader, read your print and you're done. So it's a bit That's like the cool. Amazon Go stuff. Similar kind of, to Amazon. Kind of, yeah, yeah, similar. Yeah, similar to that. Yeah. Minority so, yeah, report so, style. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I don't think I'd be a fan of that. I did <laughs> yeah. read that Amazon are actually shutting some of their cashierless stores down. I, yeah, only that. It, I only read that today, though. I don't know where they're closing them down. From my understanding, again, this is a business talk, so we don't go too technical because I'll get in trouble. But I think one of the reasons that is that it's too much space. So the recognition technology is it's it's hard to recognize, and there's a lot of a lot of uh, shrinkage. So a lot of people stealing stealing. So one of the reasons they were doing the palm recognition is to get around that, so you could have a larger space. So let's say it's a giant grocery store, you're still funneling people through the checkout lanes, and so you're not having to have the facial recognition and all across the store. You're but it, it's still eliminating a little bit of the tap or take your phone out or take your card out and you're just using your hand so i think that's a way to try to get around it is what i've heard so one thing just from my personal experience i find that the supermarkets are getting worse so i don't know what it's like in canada but in the uk they've shut down lots of the checkout aisles where previously there was staff yeah they've replaced they put a ton of self-service checkouts not all of them are always open so that's frustrating. And inevitably, some will always be out of order as well. And only some will have cash because you know, obviously the people want to pay with all sorts. It seems to be getting worse in some ways. And then you've got supermarkets that have got this self-scan. As you walk around, you scan stuff and put it in the trolley. Yeah. My thoughts would be, why not just have that scanning technology in the trolley so that you don't have to scan each thing. You just You just put each item in there and it works it out. And if you take it out, it works it out from there. It just seems that it's just it's just making the shopping com- process more complex rather than simpler. That's my personal view. Anyway, I think I think that it's just faster to go to a grocer now. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And you, again, you're kind of you're. It's a trade off too, because you know I'm I kind of like technology, so it's kind of fun to go through the self checkout. But I also like the human aspect, so I like I kind of like to know my grocer. You know, it's kind of like. Oh, hey, Sarah, how are you? And she talks about you. You're missing that. You know, you're kind of like just going to check out. Here I go. So, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good point. Yeah. I think there's a lot of work to do there, personally. 
I don't I don't think supermarkets are moving forward at all. I think they're going in the wrong direction at top speed. I like the payment scanner in the trolley idea though. You might you might be onto something there. Yeah, I just find it's <laughs> surely it's simpler than you trying to scan the store and see who's putting something from the shelf into the trolley. Just just measure what's going in the trolley. You don't need to have it everywhere else. It yeah. just makes sense to me. But hey, <laughs> I'm not Jeff Bezos. I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Customers want to engage with you guys and get started. Your website is worldline.com. Correct. That's the best place to go to. And then they can see your solutions that are on offer. And I'm sure there'll be a pathway for them to get in touch with you. Yep. And as you mentioned, you're a big fan of getting in touch with software partners, mm -hmm. etc. Did you want to add anything else in terms of how to engage with you in the best way? And also, are you going to be attending any conferences or anything coming up in the next few months where people can meet you guys? Yeah, so it's pretty easy to go to our website. You can navigate by country too. So if you're in North America, you can go to our North America website and it'll have our solution set that's more specific to the North American market. And if you're a software provider, we try to make it as easy as possible for you to go on, look at the technology. It, we're, we're, not, we're not guarding anything. So you can. it's an open API. You can go in and start integrating right away. Use our toolbox, go to the developer portal, what I would suggest, though, again, back to our humanizing payments, is that you 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 click to the the action of speaking with somebody. So, because we will walk you through that integration, and, and we can help you help you kind of navigate the path. Because we have a, such a big solution set, we want to make sure you're using the right tools that fits your needs as a business. So, I encourage you to 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 talk to somebody because we do have those humans, and they're 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 quite good at what they do, and they they just want to help. So. I'd encourage that. And as far as trade shows, yeah, we were actually, I think we're at like three or four as we speak this week. We do a lot of, again, niche vertical trade shows. So I think we have somebody at the education conference because we do a lot in schools and universities as far as payments. Uh, we will be going to, we do a lot of gyms. So kind of in the Canadian market, we we have pretty much the majority of almost every gym that you go to, you're going to use us as a payment. So we, we've got someone there at the, the, I think it's the, what is it called? The something physical conference. So we're there and then we'll, we'll, we'll be at Transact. So the, the big payments conferences. So ETA Transact coming up here in Atlanta, and then we will have a presence. We'll be walking, myself, we'll be walking the floor at Money 2020 towards the end of the year. But yeah, mainly you'll, you'll probably, we, what we usually do is we, we won't have a booth because we go to market through our software providers who have the booths. So we, we don't really want to take away from what they're trying to do. So we usually attend those and support our partners, but we, we're, we're usually around at most conferences. Yeah. That's great. Well, I'll put your details in the show notes if people want to get in touch and, and find out about that stuff. So that's really good. So thank you. Let's finish with something fun. Life hacks or... What you've enjoyed reading or watching lately? One of those. Okay. Life hacks. It's going to sound cliche, but fitness. I, I'm, I'm really big on exercise. I, I think whether you know it's running, I, I play soccer or football a lot. So I, I use that as fitness. I've recently got into climbing. So rock climbing, joined a rock climbing gym. I feel that's like, man, it just, it, you know, it, to me, it's, you know, the stresses of the day. There's so much going on and so much information. Running a company is kind of a lot. So 
when you're rock climbing, you, you can't not pay attention to the wall or you'll fall, right? You'll fall <laughs> off. So, you, you know, your, your mind is focused and it's physically demanding. So I find that as almost a life hack in the fact that yep. you, you know, something you to really switch off completely, switch off completely, get yeah. physically tired and you feel accomplished too. Cause you get to the top and you're like, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool. I'd say that's almost a life hack. And I've also really dug into mindfulness and gratitude. I, I try to really, really be grateful on, on my life and my, and where I am in the present moment, you know, being with Sat right now, I'm grateful for that. I'm I'm just cherishing that. And I try to do that throughout the day, not just when you wake up in the morning and go to bed. It's take a moment to yourself and think about how how good you have it. And that really helps kind of minimize some of that stress day to day. I think that's a bit of a hack. So yeah. Yeah, no, I I uh, I've tried meditation and I can only manage it in the mornings right now. I've been trying to do it mornings and evenings at and at some point in the day. So I failed with parts two and three but i managed to consistently do it in the morning now but everyone seems to say that and i I think it's true because on the few occasions that i have done it three times a day it does make a difference but i just i just can't make it a consistent habit yet it's it's hard but when you get there and you start doing it it's it's worth it yeah yeah great stuff awesome well well thanks justin that was great conversation thank you so much and uh, yeah all the best for the future and in your growth plans and uh, i look forward to maybe meeting you one day at one of these conferences and yeah take it easy thank you thank you zad i, re- I really appreciate the opportunity cheers good chatting with you and i look forward to meeting you thank you all right cheers thanks for listening to the show please share this episode if you found it useful and visit digitalmoneylab.com for more information see you in the next episode